All right. So Oregon football is still in the running for a Pac-12 championship. It's easy to feel down about them right now, but I don't think we should. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thanks so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe if you haven't already. Please, wherever you listen to or watch the show, big shout out to everybody who has done so already. Today's episode brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Mailback questions been flying in. A lot of people expressing thoughts, concerns, frustrations. Totally get it. Totally justified. That's what we're here for, right? It's great. I hope that this show, at the very least, can be an avenue for all of you Duck fans out there to get that sort of stuff off your chest and also sharing all the good stuff, which there is still plenty of to play for in this season. Hopefully it doesn't end like last year. But a uh, question comes in from my man Grant on Twitter. Remember, YouTube comments, Twitter, at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. Grant slides right into the DMs as you all may do. It says, Spencer, my man, it has been a while. It has been a while. Grant, hope you're doing well, my friend. I am in Maui right now. Life is good. And I played okay on the golf course. So, you know, life could be worse. Tomorrow will be better. Quick mailbag question for you. Are you still confident about Oregon making the Pac-12 title game now with the loss to Washington compared to a month ago? Why or why not? Also, what's your favorite type of food? Mine is most definitely Italian. As always, go Ducks. That is uh, an interesting pair of questions there. I love it, by the way. You can always ask me anything you want. I'll answer it for you. I'm not some hugely secret or private person, but I don't think we should make a secret about the fact that the defense is not what got Oregon to this point. Everybody remembers that, right? And what I was talking about yesterday on the show with regards to the college football playoff is I'm not big on a 12-team playoff because a team like this that is really good but not quite CFP caliber is going to go into a game like that and probably get housed. They can't win a national championship. Offense, good enough to do that, it seems. Defense, clearly not there, right? So when thinking about that in the context of this season, I think it's important to remember that this is the same defense that's been there all year. Now, they had a particularly bad game against Washington. They also had a particularly bad matchup with a prolific, Huskies passing attack that has torched basically everybody this year and they lost. And when you're that sort of team, think of Lincoln Riley's Oklahoma teams, this Lincoln Riley led USC team, excuse me, I got the hiccups right now. I have no idea why. Those teams are going to tend to win on one side of the ball. And when they play good teams, the likelihood they blow them out is not very high. Now, Oregon showed promise this year in doing that when you know BYU was playing well at the time. They blew them out. UCLA was red hot. They were up pretty comfortably, and the Bruins made it a game, but still, it was a pretty comfortable win for the Ducks. 
certainly more than I thought they would going into that game. And it was really, really impressive. But it's all about matchups at some level. And Washington, for this Oregon defense, is a bad matchup. My confidence hasn't wavered in Oregon's ability to get to the Pac-12 championship game. I still think they will get there. Will they win it? i got to see who they play and how they're playing, how the next two weeks actually go. But I'm still confident in this team because what has made them good and fun to watch hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. The offense put up 34 points, and Washington, to their credit, did something very smart. Right? They're the first Pac-12 team to have held Oregon under 40. Did they do it with a great defense? No. We had almost 600 yards of offense. We ran for over 300. Washington's defense couldn't tackle. But how did they keep us under 40? They played some ball control while they were throwing the football, which is a tough thing to balance. So I think that's a really smart game plan and execution by Kalen DeBoer and their OC Ryan Grubb, who I think are smart coaches. And it's just the way it played out. But still, Oregon's offense had its worst showing of the season in league play since week one. And they put up 34 points. They ran the ball. They were explosive. They were still multiple. They got a lot of guys involved. The running backs were great. Bo ran the ball well. The offensive line rocked. Didn't have its you know A-plus game perhaps but I'd still probably give them an A minus and that's a good Washington front. So everything that's gone right for the ducks this season, which has been primarily on the offensive side was still there. Washington's offense was just really, really good. So I look at Utah and Oregon state and I say, yeah, those are two good teams, but guess what? UCLA was a good team. UCLA still is a good team. Oregon is still a good team and Utah is really good. And Oregon state is a good team. I think Oregon's going to be able to beat both. I do, only because Utah is at home and because Oregon State has got kind of questionable quarterback play. And I think if you're coming against this Ducks defense with questionable quarterback play, without having a strong passing attack consistently, I don't think that's a format. Like, I think Oregon State is a good team. They are. They're an 8-9 win caliber. If they had good quarterback play, they could be a 10-win team this year. They really could be. They're a good football team. They do a lot of things well. They are well coached. They've got a great defense. They do a lot of things right. Their front four is kind of their biggest weakness, and Oregon's O-line is probably going to maul them and going to be able to run the football, and I don't think the Bees' offense is going to be able to keep up. So I look at this offense. I haven't lost confidence in it one bit. Now, the caveat here is if Bonex isn't healthy, okay, then all this goes out the window. If, if, if Bo Nix doesn't play in either of these games or, or isn't fully healthy, I think you need Bo Nix not necessarily at 100%. You need him at like 85 90%. If, if he is hobbled, if his legs aren't a threat, that impacts the offensive line's ability to pass protect with those great numbers this year, right? They've been really good, but Bo Nix has also been really good about getting out of sacks. And it affects the running game too because Bo's been a great runner this year. He's been great in some really key spots. Picked up a fourth down against UCLA. He's picked up a lot of first downs on third down. He's kept plays alive, made throws on the run. If his legs are severely or at least noticeably limited, it's a problem. It, it is a significant problem. But having a lack of faith in the defense is warranted. But Oregon won eight games in a row 
in spite of the defense, and they can still be that team that just is able to score more than the other team at a faster rate. Maybe the other team adds some garbage time points, but it doesn't matter at the end. That is still a formula for success, and I still think this Oregon team Oregon team can do that because the offensive weapons haven't gone anywhere. The offensive production hasn't gone anywhere. None of it has changed. It's still the same team. And it's easy to, after a loss like that, where they still should have won, be in a mindset where you say, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. I don't know if they can do that. Of course they can. Of course they can. I'll tell you more about why after I tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to have to check you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs numero uno. That's number one for those of you who don't speak Spanish in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. That's linkedin.com slash college. linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. When you look at that Washington game, it's disappointing, frustrating, maddening, infuriating yes there's all of those things but for those of you who haven't listened or watched the show yesterday or monday i will repeat it feels worse than it actually is because it's washington if that had happened if it had played out just like that against utah we would have said ah well you know utah is really good and i just got to be able to be sharper in those key moments it wouldn't still sting like this like it does for all of us here on Wednesday morning as the show drops. We're going to feel it for the next several months. Do you feel those Utah losses from a year ago for several months? No, because it's just a better team that beat you. But Oregon, I think, was better than Washington. They just couldn't execute in key situations, and Washington rose to the occasion, which they deserve credit for. But I don't think that Oregon is primed for what happened last year, which is you get the big win at Ohio State, the upset against Stanford, but then you start rattling off wins. They were stressful wins. Keep going, keep going, get to the Utah game, boom, drop a dud. But look at that loss, and look at this loss. Oregon is a bad snap away from winning that football game. I mean, it was a razor-thin margin, which again is a credit to Washington. They rose to the occasion. They matched Oregon's level. The Ducks weren't playing well defensively, but they were playing well offensively. They had an answer every time they needed it. When Bonex was on the field in the second half, Oregon's offense was not stopped. They were not stopped. They were only stopped when Ty Thompson got out there and everyone knew he wasn't going to pull it and he wasn't going to throw it. That's the only time the Huskies were able to get off the field and slow down Oregon's offense. So if Bonex is out there and he's you know, mostly the player that we've seen this season, I've still got a lot of confidence in this Oregon team. Last year, it wasn't like that because the Utah game felt like the culmination of the walking on thin ice we had seen against Arizona, against Cal, that came to fruition against Stanford. 
right? Those games played out and you were like, man, we won, but that wasn't very impressive. This is still the same Oregon team that was really impressive week in and week out. I don't feel at all like last year where it was a blowout loss and it's like, yeah, okay, maybe this team isn't as good as we, as we thought. I think this team is exactly as good as we thought. I thought they'd go 10-2 and two in the regular season coming into this year. I still feel that way. I do because I still think it's a really good team. And they still do a lot of things really well. And they've still got a great old line And they've still got great playmakers. And hopefully the defense can perform better. But even in spite of the defense's horrific performance, the likes of which we haven't seen since Brady Hoke was running that unit in 2016, they still were that they still should have won the game. Last year against Utah, they played the Utes, and you're like, no, this wasn't one or two plays away. This was a thrashing. They got out coached, they got out played, they got out schemed everything and then it happened again in the Pac-12 championship game that's why I've still got confidence in them I do I think they're going to win against Utah this week I do not think that team is going to lose two consecutive games inside of Autzen Stadium even though they are two very tough games against quality opponents Oregon themselves are still a quality opponent so I think this has a completely different feel than that. I'll answer question number two, then get to a, a little recruiting tidbit. Just something I've heard along the grapevine here. And again, I will never say anything on here. I'm not a reporter. I rely on other people for that information. I will never say anything on here unless I have it well-sourced and well-documented. Never, ever. I will not blow smoke. I will not speculate You know about actual stories like, oh, I think it's going to be that. No, 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 no. If I tell you something means I'm hearing it from someone who is in the know. Um, but Grant wanted to ask what my favorite food was. This is a complicated question. If you didn't know this about me, which maybe you didn't, because I don't think I've mentioned it before, I'm a major foodie. I mean like hardcore. I've watched Food Network since I was nine years old. I have not stopped. I will never stop. Every time I'm in a hotel, it's usually on a weekend, and I watch nothing but Triple D, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, for days. I love cooking. I love trying new foods. I love trying food from everywhere in the world that I possibly can. There's so much, so much great food out there in the world. Nationality wise, favorite food is Mexican. It's close. I mean, Thai food slaps. Italian, great option. Chinese food, delicious. Best leftover, bar none. American food, got a lot of things going for it. It's kind of a little bit of everything. I will say that my favorite type of food or my favorite time of day to eat is breakfast time. And I've, I've lived in Europe for a few months at a time. I mean, it was just once, but I've been there many times. They're not big on breakfast over there. There's nothing that makes American cuisine stand out more, in my view, than American breakfast. There's nothing else like it in the world. Everyone else takes it like lightly, and we go big. So American breakfast, favorite kind of meal. Nationality, I'll go Mexican, because if you do Mexican food right, bro. And good Mexican is hard to find. I went to college in the state of California, so there was a lot of it there. But let me tell you, that 
when you find quality Mexican food, hole in the wall Mexican restaurant, bro, that stuff slaps hard. Favorite individual meal. This is the last food thing. Uh, I'm sure I've made you hungry. At least I hope I have. I once had dreams of being the next Food Network star. My mom and I used to watch that uh, all the time together growing up. If I had to go with my uh, my dream meal, it would be a medium rare filet mignon on a bed of buttered mashed potatoes, a Bernays sauce on top with grilled asparagus for an appetizer, probably bruschetta. I, I know it's an odd pairing. You're kind of mixing Italian and you know, what is kind of like American or French ish. Um, but I, I, bruschetta is the perfect, perfect appetizer when done correctly. Nice, crispy, crostini bread. And you get that bruschetta nice and mixed with a little balsamic. I'm a sucker for balsamic. Absolutely fantastic stuff. So, um, and then dessert, a lot of different ways you can go. I, I mean, I, I, I love a lot of desserts, but I'm most about the main course. So we'll uh, maybe save dessert for another time. But anyway, that's uh, Spencer's food talk for the day. Uh, the little, little birdies, little birdies, they chirp. Sometimes birds chirp and send little uh, carrier pigeons along the grapevine. Sometimes I pick one up and I'm like, ooh, I think duck fans might want to hear about that. Again, I will repeat, I am not just speculating here. I have talked to someone in the know. And this is not a done deal. This is not a surefire thing. But Oregon is in a better position now for David Hicks than they were, I don't know, week or two or a month ago. He was on campus for that Washington game. Yeah, I wish we could have won. But it's not always about winning the individual game, though that certainly helps. I think Kayvon Thibodeau talked about that when he was at the Washington game in 2018. What a glorious day that was. But that would be monumental for the 2023 recruiting class, especially given that the defensive line right now is a glaring weakness. I mean, DJ Johnson's done a lot of good things this year. So is Brandon Dorless. Where were they on Saturday night? They weren't there. And both of them are going to be gone after this year anyway. Dorless is NFL caliber and DJ Johnson is out of eligibility. But David Hicks is the number one rated interior defensive lineman so there's a gnat in my face for watching on youtube in the class of 2023 and he's verbally committed to texas a&m but the aggies a lot of chaos a lot of negative not a lot of, a lot of negative uh things going down around that program at at the moment so again there's no guarantee here but oregon is in the running and he is a major candidate that could flip. We'll cover that here on the show. Another mailback question came in about a couple of guys who probably won't be on the roster next year, but could they? Maybe. I wouldn't bet on it, but if I did, I would use Bet Online, your number one source for betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all. At betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, another question in coming in from, uh, from John. Hey, Spencer, with Noah Sewell having a statistically worse year than last, where do you think he sits now with leaving for the draft? Same question for Christian Gonzalez. Can they improve their draft stock 
or should they just go to the next level as fast as possible? Two different situations there. Gonzo, I think, is for sure gone. I think when you look at what Christian Gonzalez does, he has a lot of really good traits. And one thing that, that I look for with corners as well, and Dante Manning has shown glimpses of this, which you'd expect from a former five-star recruit. When guys who are ready to play at the next level are actually capable of being NFL caliber players who make regular plays on Sundays, when they make plays in college, it looks different on TV. It pops because they're a little faster, a little more agile. They hit a little harder. It just looks a little different. I think Gonzo's a great tackler. In addition to his cover skills, he needs to work on his ball skills a bit. And he's a little thin, not a ton. You know, it's not like you need to be thick like a linebacker. In fact, you don't want to be if you're a corner. He could probably add a little bit of weight, but that's not that hard to do. And with regards to the ball skills, if you're an NFL team evaluating him, you have to look and say, well, if that's something he needs to work on, like Mike Tomlin says, what exactly is our job as coaches? Like you're coming to the NFL where in theory you've got the best coaches in the world superior to what you could find in most instances in college. So if he's got a lot of these traits already developed and he just needs to work on this one, well, if we work on this one, to me, Gonzo looks like that sort of corner. I don't think he can raise his draft stock much. I mean, he plays on a really bad pass defense, which optically is bad, but NFL draft scouts and GMs are going to look at the film. And I think they'll see what what we've all kind of seen from him this year, which is he's clearly the best player in that secondary, and it's not close. And he has some moments where he looks like a real shutdown corner. Is he you know, a top 10 caliber pick? No, I don't think so. I think late first to mid second is kind of his range, but I think he's certainly in that class. And, you know, the, the way he tackles and the way he can cover and his hip movement and his length, all of that is really, really appealing. I, I would be pleasantly shocked if Christian Gonzalez came back after this year. So, I don't think his draft stock can go up much more. I mean, it, it's not that it couldn't go up at all. It's not that there's no room for improvement. Like I said, the ball skills could get better and, you know, he could develop into even more of a shutdown corner. I mean, that, that play, you know, that was almost an interception on his part. Like that's a perfect example. He's in perfect position, goes to make a play on the ball. Hands just not quite strong enough to rip it away from the receiver, at least getting in completion ends up being complete at pass. But it's still a heck of a play. It's just an even better one by, I think it was McMillan, the the wide receiver. It might have been Jalen Polk. Either one. They're both really, really good players. So I think he, I, I think he's certainly gone. Noah Sewell, that's a more interesting one. Because earlier in the year, I would have said, nah, he's going to be gone no matter what. But the first two years that he was here, I mean, there were a lot of stretches where he was the best player on the field. He still makes plays like that every now and then. Like that play on the screen pass, I mean, that was ridiculous. <laughs> like that was such a great play to diagnose it and that it was on an early – one of Washington's early drives. They ended up converting because, you know, third down defense. But the diagnose the, – the way he was able to diagnose the play, get around the offensive tackle, go up there, slam the guy into the turf, He he has – that sort of ability. He is that sort of big time player. And I think even a year ago, he had more plays, more impact plays like that. 
I don't know if it's scheme or play call or what, but it, it feels like he hasn't been involved. The stats are bearing that out. But he also has a little bit more help on, on the tackling front in some sense. So that might be a contributing factor to the numbers coming down. I, I still get the sense that he will go because he's such a gifted player and he hasn't been hurt in his career. And at the linebacker position, that's kind of what you want. But he's also clearly at least somewhat of a liability in pass coverage. And I wonder, in a league that is so pass-heavy now in the NFL, whether or not a team is going to take him in a high round if that's a major coaching error. Like Gonzo improving his ball skills that's not a major flaw in your game. That's an area for growth. Sewell in zone pass coverage, that's a major flaw in his game. And I don't think he holds up very well in man-to-man either. Like, you can't put him on a tight end, really, and say, go cover him one-on-one down the field very often, you know? He has moments where in zone coverage is pretty good. Like in the Pac-12 championship game last year, his interception of Cam Rising was really good. But we haven't seen that sort of play from him this year. And the pass coverage has been porous, as we all know. And you can talk about it. It's pass rushers first, DB second, and linebackers third. But the linebackers can still be a component. You know, they've got to be able to cover tight ends. They've got to be able to cover backs. They've got to be able to take away receivers who are trying to exploit windows in the zone coverage. And they haven't been able to do that. So it still would feel like to me like he's going to leave. Because he does have, you know, NFL size and NFL speed, and he's so good against the run. I mean, I just always think of that fourth and two stuff on Travion Henderson a year ago at the horseshoe. That's a big boy play. That's a big time running back, and he just slides over, fills the hole, you know, sheds the offensive lineman who was late getting into the hole to the side, and then he just sticks the running back into the turf. That's a big time play and not a lot of linebackers can make that play. So I think he still has that, but he, would he be well suited to come back and improve under a sharp defensive mind like Dan Lanning? Probably. Yeah. But the question is, you know, what's the, what's his feeling about the financials of it all? Because even if his draft stock could improve being a third or fourth round draft pick instead of first and second, Loses you a significant amount of money, but not as much as waiting another year and not getting like maybe he wants to be in that sort of position where he is set financially and he's got a rookie contract and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, he might still get a a second round grade because of the talents that he has. I think it's slightly less likely that he will go to the draft than it was when the year began. But I'd still lean probably like 65, 70% sure that, that he'd probably say this is his last year. And is that great for Oregon? No. But when one door closes, another door opens. Like he leaves and maybe your run defense isn't quite as good, but are you able to put in a linebacker who's better in pass coverage? Maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Maybe it truly is a, a scheme thing, but. All those questions we can uh, we can dive more into in the offseason. Appreciate all the cues, guys. Keep them coming at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. You can also hop in the YouTube comments, those two handles, of course, on Twitter. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day.
and go Ducks.